Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to episode 45. We are once again in a state of emergency in the state of Rhode Island. But fortunately, we have the good senator to walk us through it. Uh, hello, Jessica. How are you doing today? I sense it's sarcasm in the state of emergency. Well, I'm trying not to be, but uh, I think I'm in one of those moods because we had to re-record this one. We yes, had recorded this is take it. number two. This is take two. We we actually went to post it and um, found out there was no the audio did not record at all. So yeah. so here we are. Uh, we're going to try to keep it fresh and um, and cover some of the same points. <laughs> Fortunately, these aren't scripted, so. Um, all right, Jess, we are in a uh, state of emergency, and the governor has just issued mask mandates along with, um, can we call it a vaccine passport yet? Um, well, that's what I called it. Because and... they will be asking for your papers at the door, you know, if you want to go to any venues. Why, why don't you walk us through in case uh, someone was living at a rock the last couple of days? Just give us a, a quick summary of what this uh, mandate or these mandates have uh, yeah. have done for the state. So recently, I was on a show, radio talk show. Um, the the host just did not agree with me that um, vaccine passports were coming, even though the governor had said that he was going to require proof of vaccination. So there was a little bit debate there, and sure enough, the governor decided that he was going to implement a vaccine passport program. And you can call it by whatever name you want to. It's still a passport program when you need it to enter into a business. So um, businesses under 250 people, you need to provide proof of vaccination, or wear a mask, and then- Is it both of those? Well, yeah, you, if, if he wants everyone to wear a mask because the numbers are high okay. in Rhode Island, despite the fact that we're one of the highest vaccinated states in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so the issue, you and I were just walking into a laundromat because our washing machine broke. And so we had tons of laundry. Right. Yeah. And immediately as we walked in, one of the girls doing laundry there is talking to another woman and she was, I'm not wearing a mask. I am done. I'm not showing papers. And we and just she didn't say that other. because you walked in the door. She, she didn't had know no idea were. who I was. Yeah. 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 She's um, I, I didn't get the sense. She was a very political person. Uh, no. She didn't mention the governor or anything like that. She just said they, you know, they, they want us to start wearing masks whenever we uh, go inside. Yeah. And uh, she was just immediately resistant to it. And I wonder if, because sometimes I wonder if we're in a bubble, you know, if it's, if we're just around, yeah, an echo chamber. And we have to be careful of that um, because you, you, likes tend to beget likes. You you tend to, um, you know, hang out with people who agree with you, but um, you know, to walk into a laundromat, uh, not in a very conservative area that that was more in Woonsocket, which uh, tends to be a little more on the liberal side or vote Democrat. So it's not really a political issue. If a person doesn't want to wear a mask, it seems to be my point. Yeah, I think they have uh, COVID fatigue. It's been constant, um, constant source of stress for mm-hmm. people. Um, and I think, you know, everybody agrees that the virus is real and the virus kills. And it is a very sad and unfortunate thing because that's what viruses do. They 
they kill the weak and the infirmed. Mm -hmm. And um, you're at greater risk if you have comorbidities or if you're of a certain age. We know that certain people are more susceptible to the virus. Um, so individuals that are younger and healthier, they um, fare much better. So I I'm of the mind that you inform the public, right? The government is not your mother. They don't get to mother you. They give you the information and say, hey, you know, do with this, do use this information to to protect yourself. Now, right. if you're an older individual, um, it seems that the studies have said that they um, lessen the severity of the symptoms mm -hmm. and they could actually be very beneficial to older individuals. So you have to take that information, the, the vaccine information, the mask information, and use it if it if, if it would benefit you. Right, right. Uh, so you're arguing people should, um, there, there should be more uh, uh Autonomy, More of autonomy freedom. over the person um, and um, enable and empower the person to make up their own mind, their own decision on these things exactly. rather than a mandate. Um, well, right. you know, when you're two years in, mm -hmm. I think that we've reached that point. Right. Um, all right. I'm going to just uh, quickly read. This was uh, from the Providence Journal this past week, and they highlighted that um, that the mask mandate applies to customers and staff in indoor settings that hold 250 or more people. Uh, this category includes retailers, restaurants, venues, um, performing arts, movie theaters, establishments uh, like bars, restaurants, gyms, fitness centers, houses of worship, hair salons, spas. Houses of worship. Isn't there a separation of church and state? Well. <laughs> um, Only when the state wants it. Hmm. Uh, and then it also seems to be a, um, there also seems to be a punishment uh, that could be levied against those uh, businesses and those individuals that mm -hmm. violate it. Yeah. Um, what are, what's your take on the Department of Health issuing um, punishments? I have issue with it because the governor, he's allowing um, unelected bureaucrats to make policy uh to, to enforce what uh, what he feels would be uh, beneficial measures. I disagree with uh, that that I disagree with really the whole way he's handling this but I like to also point out that Massachusetts and Connecticut do not have this mandate mm -hmm. and you know I, and perhaps individuals say this in the heat of anger or I don't know but I have heard from many individuals, that said they will not provide papers, they will not provide proof of vaccination to mm. go into a store or a restaurant or a hair salon that they will spend or, their money elsewhere. And if the governor happens to forget that our state is the smallest in the nation and that Connecticut and Massachusetts are- Stone's throw. I mean, we've always lived in border cities and towns. We're in North Smithfield now, where if I was Tom Brady, I could probably throw a football into- um, <laughs> Um, That's the or truth. Mac Jones. If I was Mac Jones, I could probably throw a football into uh, <laughs> Massachusetts. And we've lived in uh, East Providence as well. And yeah. I remember as a kid, I grew up in Cumberland, and it was just a, a pattern in my family's life to save a couple of pennies, you know, on gas and and shop around. So going to Massachusetts was not a stretch at all. And I can't imagine that for for those that really object to the mask wearing or just don't want it, they have the antibodies, they're not concerned with getting. COVID, maybe they're very, very young, or very healthy. Vaccine passport. Or they have a vaccine. Yeah. Maybe they're just like, I, I, I don't feel that I need to be wearing a, a mask, especially when um, it doesn't necessarily stop the spread of COVID. It, it uh, slows it down, but you can't say it stops it. 
Um, so I think, yeah, I think a lot of people will be going to Massachusetts and um, uh, into Connecticut. Yeah. And the, uh, <laughs> the other point I take issue with is that um, this, this emergency, mm -hmm. this starts on December 20th. So you're listening today. Um, today is what, December 18th? Well, that's when we're recording. When we're yeah. recording. So mm -hmm. um, the emergency doesn't start until after the busiest shopping season of the year is over. So is it really an, an emergency if you're going to wait the weekend? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're arguing that maybe you should have just announced it the day of, or if it maybe was start the day after. The day after, sure. If it was really that and important. If I were playing devil's advocate, I would just say he was probably giving businesses an opportunity and and shoppers an opportunity to um, to adjust and and start. It doesn't preparing. take that much time to adjust to put a mask on. Well, the... maybe to the obviously to the vaccine passport, you have to find a way to implement it. But mm -hmm. to institute a mask mandate it doesn't take much preparation. The um. I think we kind of hinted to it, but I, I think one of the things that people are frustrated by is seeing the Department of Health issue these punishments when it should be the General Assembly right. that um, has the force of law. Mm -hmm. uh, instead, we're seeing whether it's the Department of Health or the McKee administration directly, they're the ones instituting some of these punishments. So, for example, uh, in the past, um, the state has issued punishments of uh, $100 for the first violation, $250 for a second violation, and $500 for a third violation when it came to some of these executive orders not being adhered to. Um, I think we've seen uh, violations um, closer to $500 uh, in the if, for those that would violate uh, this mandate, the, um, um, uh, the mask mandate. Uh, yeah, you, uh, brought up a great point, which is the general assembly surrendered its authority. And now the governor is surrendering his authority to the department of health. It's a, it's a, it's a sick cycle. You tweeted out governor, uh, Alexander Scott. Yeah. Who's in charge. Right. Who's in charge. Governor Alexander Scott. Question yeah. mark. Because the, the I mean, sometimes I feel like we've uh, said this over and over again, but it really is up to the legislature to make these kind of laws and these mm -hmm. kind of penalties. So to see the Department of Health acting so, um, um, uh, what's the word? I don't want to say, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic, but um, they, they, they just seem, it, it seems to be a runaway train. I don't know if yeah. there's anything we can do at this point. Now that because we've uh, we've tried making a lot of noise, um, we've you've you've worked on the petition and had six thousand people and signatures. And we submitted those petitions to the Senate President, to the Speaker of the House, and the Governor. Mm -hmm. And when the response was crickets. Crickets. They weren't they weren't interested. Mm -hmm. um, what would you tell people that are really mad? Because sometimes when I'm checking out your social media page, Facebook or Twitter. Uh, people are starting to get mad at you saying, you know, enough is enough. We're done with petitions. You know, we can't go for two years in a state mm -hmm. of emergency. Just do something, make them show up, make them, you know, do their job. End this dictatorship. Um, <laughs> what, what, what do you want to do? What, what can you do? Um, uh, you know, I know you've talked about putting yourself up on a cross on the front oh lawn of the state house as a sacrifice. So what can you do? Um, yeah, people are angry and I'm angry too. So I get it. Um, but I don't have the power to bring the general assembly back. 
Um, it is through the leadership in the Senate, in the House, they, they can bring back their members. Mm -hmm. um, we are going back because we are constitutionally obligated to go back on the first Tuesday in January. So we're doing that. And I will be submitting a resolution in the House trying to find a sponsor in the I'm sorry, in the Senate. I'm sorry. Yeah. And you want to find someone in the sponsor House. Sponsor in the House mm -hmm. to submit concurrent resolutions in both chambers to end the state of emergency. Now, I know that it's going to go nowhere because mm -hmm. I'm not going to get enough votes, but at least people will be on the record. The other thing that I would say is. But, um, wait, is that the kind of thing that can leave committee or, or would this just be a, it's a resolution? resolution. Oh, okay. So it doesn't have to it go. It bypasses the committee process. Yeah. And is like you, immediately voted for on the floor of the Senate. Yeah. Like if you have a resolution, like somebody prominent died in, in the state, you know, and you had a resolution to honor them, honor and, their right. memory that doesn't go through the committee, it goes to the floor. So a resolution, um, it's more of a symbolic act. It doesn't really carry the force of law. It's a, uh, more like a statement. Uh, well, this one would the... carry, yeah, this one would end the state of emergency. So it is very significant, oh, but it would okay. be if the concurrent resolution concurrent in both, meaning both how both chambers mm -hmm. pass, then the state of emergency would end. Interesting. Fortunately, you guys are going back first week of January, which is just a couple of weeks away. Yes. So maybe it's a mute point whether or not you guys start this week. This week is, of course, the week leading up to Christmas. And the week after that is the week after Christmas leading yeah. up to New Year's. So it seems like the best time to maybe tackle this will be in two weeks. But mean, in the meantime, we're going to be under the force of another mandate. Yeah, we are. Is there anything in the meantime people can do outside of I waiting for the legislature? I say it all the time. And you know, people tell me that they keep calling the governor's office and they're done doing that. But um, you can't be done. You have to keep trying. You have to keep calling. And I was talking to a legislator, a Democrat. I was just talking about the state of emergency and getting their, their ideas, their thoughts, their feedback on what's happening. And they said, truth be told, I haven't received one phone call or email regarding on this issue. That was a legislator. That was a legislator. Now, why, how can that be? Because I see you always on the phone and receiving email. Oops, you're hitting. Sorry, I, I hit the mic. Um, you're hitting, uh, you're uh, constantly receiving phone calls, emails, text messages from people. How is it that other lawmakers are not getting the same kind of pushback for not reconvening? I wish I could answer that question. I don't know. But if you haven't called your <laughs> senator and rep, I would strongly encourage you to do so. And as far as the governor, his number is 222-2080, 222-2080. Put it in your phone. Area code 401, just in case you weren't sure. <laughs> All of Rhode Island is in, is in 401. But that number giving you a chance to get a pen or put it into your phone because you can call him every single day. Now, he won't pick up the phone, right? Dan right. McKee, Governor McKee does not pick up the phone. Hello, <laughs> what's up? Um, no, you, you call and every time I've called and I've called numerous times uh, to urge them to end the state of emergency. And I would ask you, do your part, do your part. The other side says it all the time, you know, wear your mask, do your part. I'm going to say, if you really want this thing to end, have you done anything? Um, and of course, we're not beating you up, but we know that people are busy. But use your Monday or your Tuesday or and your Wednesday and your Thursday and your Friday to make a phone call. Uh, put it in your phone, save the number there, governor's office, 222-2080, 222-2080, and just urge them to end the state of emergency and end the mandates. And while you're at it, if there's anything else that you want to get off your chest, you can let them know. When I spoke to the 
the um, staffers, they uh, assured me that every Friday they have a meeting where they talk about the communication for that week, what came in, what questions. This way they can know, you know, what, what are people really care about? And if they don't get any phone calls or any pushback, then he's going to feel more emboldened to continue the mandates. And maybe there are more, maybe they, they last longer. But if he does get pushback, then there will be serious, you know, consideration for ending it. But um, that's on, that's on us. We have to make sure that we uh, we do our part and uh, and contact the governor. So the number again is two 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 twenty eighty. Awesome. Um, anything else you want to say about this? Well, I um, I was on a different interview talking about historical figures that I uh, admire, mm -hmm. and um, I thought of Winston Churchill. Um, you know, aside from the great founding fathers that we have here in this country, but in, in England, there was Winston Churchill. And I love his, uh, his tenacity, his, tena yeah. never give up, He's never, 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 ever give up. A man who is made for the moment. So mm -hmm. I would tell you never, ever, ever give up and you have to keep fighting. Um, I know that it's tiring, um, that, what do you say to those that are like, oh, I'm just done. I'm done. I've heard, I've talked to some people who said, I, I've given up on our political system or I've yeah. given up on the state. I just want to move out. Right. I can't take it anymore. Um, what we've would you all say felt to that? that way. One, one, one day at some point in our life, we've all wanted to throw our hands up in the air and say, I'm done. But, you know, it's okay to have that moment. It's okay to feel that. But then get back, mm. get back in the game and say, all right, I'm going to fight for this state. Um, because if we if we leave the state, then you know where are the change agents? Where who who's going to take up that uh, those responsibilities to run for office? And mm -hmm. you know, so that's the other thing is if you are tired of the mandates, you're tired of government not representing you, um, you're tired of your your state senator or state rep um, abdicating their constitutional authority, then maybe it's time for you to run for office. Well, that's a, that's a big challenge and a big ask for a lot of people. What about um, what about for those that say I don't want to comply with these mandates? That good luck trying to make me wear one, or good luck trying to make me make my customers wear one. I'm just not going to enforce this. Yeah, I would. You know, I'm a law and order kind of girl. So, um, but there comes a time where I think civil disobedience is is necessary. And, you know, if, if our leaders, state leaders were wearing masks at all times of the day, um, then I might, I might look at this situation and see their sincerity and say, okay, this is something that they sincerely believe. But when they're not wearing a mask, except for in front of the camera, then I question their authenticity. And it's just, to me, okay. it's a virtue signaling. Uh, has that been your experience? It that, has been my uh, are experience. Are we talking about six months ago or more recently over the last week or two? Day, two days, Where week. Even, even after the governor has talked about uh, indoor mask wearing and, and you know, making sure you wear one indoors. Yeah. You're saying you've seen other lawmakers not wear them, uh, yet they will vocally say we need an indoor mask mandate. Yeah. Hmm. 100%. And that's why I... I, I, I understand why people are angry and they don't want to wear it because when you have leaders tell you that 
masks, this is going to save lives, that this is going to slow the spread, but yet they don't follow through themselves, mm -hmm. then I don't take that seriously. And I am, um, I'm very sympathetic to the businesses that are being mandated to do Sorry, something. I keep hitting. That. I know you're it's like my beating up that uh, <laughs> poor mic stand. Um, yeah, I think about these small business owners who have been given an unfunded mandate. Like a lot wow. of state governments yeah. and cities and towns have always complained that there are times that the state government says, yep, you have to do this, but we're not giving you any money to right. do it. Mm -hmm. They just have to come up with the money. Uh, now, a lot of small business owners, restaurants that are just leaping back or limping back limping. into mm -hmm. um, back into the swing of things are going to be forced to, you know, what hire somebody right. to stand at the door and uh, make sure that people are wearing a mask and then provide them with a mask if they're not and then wearing follow one. them in the store to make sure it's covering their nose and their mouth like... and i mean they have to look at their paperwork too now um papers yeah they have to ask for their papers uh to see whether or not they're vaccinated yeah so um, and you know the providence journal just reported there was um a restaurant in providence um i call it a fancy restaurant and the the owner said that people have already started canceling their reservations. Wow. So that that's going to impact, you know, and, and I get it. Some people say, well, you know what? He was saying in, in direct response to the indoor yes. mask mandate? Yes. Hmm. People are canceling their reservations. They're, they don't want to have the party there uh, anymore. I would guess, again, we're so close to Massachusetts and Connecticut, they could just go to um, a, the border sure. and, and go somewhere else. But we and there are individuals say well you know they're wealthy and they're businessmen and they have the money well think of the individuals who would be employed by this person who no longer are going to be able to collect on those wages to pay their rent or to buy christmas presents or whatever it is that they need so um this is going to impact families in a negative way yeah that seems to be the uh, short-sightedness of this where we keep seeing these mandates come come out in full force um, but there's not any consideration to the long-term consequences. We saw this with the vaccination mandate for healthcare workers, where in theory, it sounds like a great idea. Let's get a hundred percent of the healthcare workers fully vaccinated. But in the process, you're ignoring religious and conscientious objections. And because there was no system to make any accommodation for them, they were just abruptly and unceremoniously fired. They were let go. And then when, um, and that led to a staffing shortage. Now, there was already a staffing shortage, but that only worsened it because there were thousands less nurses and CNAs and other specialists that could not be in the hospitals to meet these uh, needs. Self inflicted. Right. It was a self inflicted wound. Um, so we saw that with the, the vaccination mandate. And now we may be seeing the same thing with the indoor mask mandate. When other states aren't mandating it, I think you're right. I think a lot of people are going to go across the border, go to Massachusetts or do a, to Connecticut and do their, do their shopping or, you know, have their, their holiday celebrations in the neighboring states where they don't have to be encumbered by a mask. Yeah. It's uh, is that me again? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm fired. <laughs> You're just, uh, <laughs> you just can't be trusted anywhere near a microphone Apparently or a mic stand. Yeah. Um, any last thoughts 
Uh, this is a season of joy and peace <laughs> and hope and goodwill towards your neighbor and, and man. Yes. Um, Still exercise those things. Yes. Um, I would just say, don't put your hope in the the governor or the government. I know that... Um, you will be disappointed every will, time. Every time, because you they're, they're human beings. They, they're flawed. They're going to make mistakes. And uh, I know that I've been hoping that someone would rise up who's a little more uh, libertarian or conservative, who would just respect you know individual uh, liberties and choices, and hoping they would step up to run. Um, I know that a lot of people have asked you to run, and you've said no, and that's disappointed quite a few people. But um, I would just encourage people not to put their hope in another person like that, because they, they're not going to be your savior. They're, they're going to let you down. They're, Inevitably. They're, it doesn't yeah. matter who it is, including myself. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I would love to, um, you know, I, I shouldn't say I would love to, <laughs> I, I, I understand the, this, the urgency and why people have asked me to run, but I do feel that what I'm doing as a Senator is important and being a voice for, uh, the minority and not to say that maybe someday in the future I would do it, but I don't feel like it's the right time. Um, I do hear that there is an individual that is going to emerge. That's just, um, hasn't felt it's been the right time to announce. And so that's up to that individual. I'm not going to you know, to put out any information on that person. But, um, I think you're so right. We look to people and people will fail us. They will make mistakes. Um, and I mean, I know that a lot of people, um, still trust the government or, or believe in the government They shouldn't <laughs> take it from someone inside the government. <laughs> they should not trust us. Um, and I think that's why a lot of people do trust you because you've been a very effective check against the uh, executive branch or against government that's ineffective or lethargic. Um, I, you know, I don't look at myself like people say, oh, you know, um, po politician or whatever, but I just look at myself as a regular person who ran for office and I'm still that regular person representing regular people, you know, like-minded, sensible, um, common sense people. So, mm -hmm. um, all right. Any final thoughts, any last final thoughts? Don't give hope? up hope. Press on. Don't give up. Never, ever, ever give up. Never. Yes. My wife says that with a cigar and a top hat <laughs> and her best British accent. Awesome. All right. If, uh, if you're with us next week, we, uh, we'll, we'll be, uh, we'll have an episode dropped on Christmas day. Uh, we'll see what that episode covers. I'm sure there'll be more mandates or something will come out of or government. Or maybe we'll do a Christmassy episode. Maybe it'll be a lighter one. We'll yeah. see. All right. God bless you guys. Uh, hang in there. Um, call the governor's office, 401-222-2080. That's 222-2080. And uh, let them know where you stand on the indoor mask mandate, the vaccine passport, and all that good, all that good stuff. All right. God bless you guys. Hang in there. Bye-bye. Today's closing quote comes from one of my constituents, Bonnie. She sent me a text message regarding the latest executive order, and she said, power is like a tube of Pringles. Once you pop, you can't stop. Thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com. 